welcome to Deeper, a podcast of Wollongong Baptist Church. The podcast aims to follow the sermon series and to take our congregation deeper into God's Word. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Sarah Leffley and I'm here with Pastor Ken Davies. How are you this morning, Ken? I'm well this morning. Great news. Now, as a woman, I didn't get insight into the men's breakfast this weekend <laughs> and I, I feel a little bit curious. I want to know what I missed out on. How good was it? Hash browns, mushrooms, oh. bacon, uh, you name it. It was all there. Um, and lots of people. It was really good. Um, the, the men's breakfasts have actually been really well attended. Great. Uh, and Steve Roberts did a talk on mental health fitness, um, which was really helpful, uh, thinking through some of the theory and also practical about how we can be speaking about things and uh, what we need to be aware of, both in ourselves and in others that we're interacting with. How wonderful. Mm. Sounds rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good value. Excellent. Um, I do have lots of questions today, so I'm going to launch straight on okay. into talking about Job, <laughs> but I'm going to start by throwing it back to talking about the sermon that Mark preached. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed this question with him. I hope it's still relevant today. Mm-hmm. Um, he we were looking at God kind of bombarding Job with these questions mm-hmm. um, to put Job in his place. And I noticed that there's a bit of a dialogue. You know, Job speaks and then God goes back to questions. Then Job speaks and God goes back to questions. And that questioning suddenly stops when Job says that he repents. Is that a deliberate or significant thing? Is God waiting for Job's repentance there? Ah, uh, that's a great question, and it's really, really hard to answer. Uh, Mark did talk about this a little bit in the podcast last week in terms of the plain reading of the text. It says that Job repents, uh, so that must mean that he's repenting of sin. Um, I kind of take the other perspective that, that, that Mark does uh, in terms of I think that Job's actually relenting uh, and that he's actually saying, I've said things that I shouldn't have said, and I've had a case that I was bringing against you as the judge of the earth and you weren't judging correctly. I now withdraw my case and it just stands. Um, so I don't I don't think God was waiting for Job to repent of sin. Um, and the reason that I think that, the proof of that or the evidence that pushes me in that direction is actually the fact that the three friends actually have to offer sacrifice for their sin in order for them to be reconciled to God and to Job. Job doesn't offer any sacrifice for sin, so how can he be forgiven for sin if he doesn't offer sacrifice? So I, that's that's my basic take on it at this stage, um, but I have shifted around on it, and so if you ask me again in another six months, I could be in a different place. I might just do that. <laughs> nothing like this podcast to ask a question and come away with about 10 more questions yeah, yeah, instead absolutely. of answers. Um, in that, though, do you think that God was waiting for the the relenting from Job for Job. Oh, so I take this case away and yeah, then the yeah. questions will start. Absolutely. He, right. he was pushing him. And until Job recognized the point that God was making, you can't move on from yes. there. And so Job needed to understand that God is God and Job is not. Uh, and some of the things that Job was saying was making claims for himself that were unsustainable. And for Job to actually say, oh, yeah, I've overstepped the mark there is correct. Now, as soon as you say overstep the mark, that's one of the definitions of sin, yes, missing the mark. Thinking. And so is he actually acknowledging his sin? It goes both ways. I'll ask you in six months. <laughs> All right. Um, you, now to your sermon, mm. God says he's angry with the three friends and you highlighted that he never actually says that he's angry with Job. Um, but I was reading God's tone as angry when he was 
asking all those questions. What, mm-hmm. what tone should I have been reading that with, do you think? Yeah, it's really fascinating when we when we notice things that are actually written down versus what we're assuming is yeah. being said. Um, now, I agree with you. I, I assume that God is pretty um, withering in his speech towards Job. And, and the fact that Job relents and pulls back from what he's saying, clearly he's uh, feeling the weight of what God's saying. Um, but I think that we are, we do need to pick up the things that are explicit in the text. And the fact that God doesn't use the word anger towards Job, but it's his first word towards Elihu, um, is really, really significant. Um, and the fact that prior to that, sorry, Eliphaz, Eliphaz yeah. but the fact that Elihu, when he introduces his speech, he's angry, 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 angry. Uh, it's, rep- it's actually repeated three times. Um kind of says, okay, this is something that you're supposed to be watching out for. When somebody starts their speech by saying, I'm angry, I need to take notice of what's going on here. So mm. he, he, God is definitely treating Job differently to how he now treats the three friends. Uh, and so there's a, a stepping up uh, at minimum or actually something quite different in how he's treating them. I'm glad you pointed it out in the sermon because I really did make an assumption. You know, I think there was things like the storm. I think if you're mm. talking, speaking out of a storm sounds kind of ragey and mm-hmm. and the sarcasm. I I know that I get a bit. In, I use that tone probably less righteously than God, but I do use that <laughs> tone when I'm feeling a bit a bit annoyed. So, uh-huh. um, but it was like you said, yeah. it's great to go back and actually see what the text says rather yeah. than to make those assumptions. Um, now you've brought up Elihu again. Mm. Um, we know that he makes some very untruthful remarks about God when he speaks to Job, and yet he seems to dodge the judgment of the three other friends. Why is that? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> a mystery for another day. Uh, my, my guess at this stage is that there's a judgment implied, and so Elihu's actually got to make the step of saying, okay, this is where this is how Job was evaluated. This is how the three friends are evaluated. As the guy who's listening in on the conversations, I now need to listen in on this conversation between God and Eliphaz and actually work out what my response is supposed to be. So I wonder if there's something going on that Elihu's a representative, like a, a symbolic figure of Israel. Mm-hmm. And Israel's actually supposed to identify with Elihu and say, hmm, where have I sat? on this position and what what should be my response now and so it's almost a, an invitation to us to actually ask the question how am i responding rather than just assuming i'm either job or the three friends where am i in this so, are the three friends representative of something then or uh that all all four like job and the three friends are certainly representative of wisdom like their mm. speeches are wisdom speeches um, but that's why it's so significant that god comes at the end and says no what you've spoken is folly, it's folly yeah. um and so their their speeches haven't been wisdom so thank you very helpful um I'm going to roll ahead with this question with a bit of a <laughs> disclaimer that I think my phrasing could be a problem. I don't want to misrepresent what you said, but I, I struggled to write it down. Um, you implied something along the lines of Job's, Job's material blessing mm-hmm. being because God was pleased with how he'd used his wealth for others. And then, and then you said he has now twice the ability to carry out his attitude of generosity. I thought we probably all can think of someone who has great material blessing, but they don't have an attitude of generosity. Mm. Or on the flip side, people that have really wonderful spirits of generosity that you would think God would be pleased with, but they're not mm-hmm. materially blessed. Yep. Um, how are we supposed to understand that? 
I, I think we're supposed to understand it as Job does, that this is a really weird thing in God's creation and it should be pushing us to be asking the question, God, it doesn't seem fair. Um, but as Job makes those kind of statements prior to God appearing to him in the storm, he's actually saying the same thing that other wisdom writers do. The psalmist says the same kind of things. In Proverbs, it says the same kind of things. Ecclesiastes definitely says the same kind of thing. Um, that sometimes... The people that are the most wealthy are the most wicked. Mm. Uh, and it seems like they get away with it and it seems that, God, you don't care. Uh, and so that's a right response to those things. But where those writers all go is that they recognize that God is watching, he's observing, he's taking note, and he will judge. Um, and so I think one of, the th one of the lessons that comes out clearest from the book of Job is that we can't use possessions as the means of identifying whether somebody's blessed or not. Mm. And so because somebody's wealthy doesn't mean that God has blessed them, that the, the attitude that comes out in the midst of whatever they do have is actually the indicator of how they're going. I, it, 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 does, it doesn't answer it because we, we want to know, but yeah, but what about the person? If you just gave them a bit more, they'd be able to do so much more good with it. Um, it comes back to, I think, that identification of the um, some of the creatures in God's creation. They've got a wisdom aspect. They're really, really fast, but they've got a real, uh, what we would classify as a stupid part. They don't look after their young as they're waiting to be born. Um, and God says, no, no, that's my wisdom. And you may not get it, but yeah. it's there. And so as I give to the wealthy person and they take what they shouldn't be taking, even even that I'm in control of. Uh, and as the poor person suffers, I'm in control of that as well. Are you going to do a better job? Yeah, that's actually a really helpful answer for me, especially because I have a bit of a confession. After I wrote it, I was trying to think about what answer I wanted <laughs> to hear. And I realized that I actually didn't want an answer because what I was, I think I was probably trying to do was shift the focus off my myself and trying to be reflective about my own wealth and my mm, own generosity. Mm. I was trying to think about, you know, the problem yep. with other people's um, allotment of material blessing rather yeah. than thinking about what I have myself and what I do with it myself. So that's and, a great answer. It, Maybe we don't need to know what God's planned, yeah. but we do know what blessing is. We do know what it is yeah. and we do we do know it's made very clear to us what we're supposed to do For with sure. it. And so whether you've got the original or you've got the double or you've got something less, the response in all of those is Still to the same. use your blessing to bless others. Yeah. It's a wonderful reminder. Um, I also loved the reminder that you spoke about that when we talk about God's justice and judgment, you can't leave out God's mercy, mm -hmm. that they need to come hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering, do you think it's possible to go too far the other way where we talk so much about God's mercy that we forget to remind people that he's actually a God of justice and judgment? Um, it's a theoretical possibility. Um, and there are people in that camp. So liberal theology certainly pushes in that direction to kind of say God's got a love uh, and therefore he's going to forgive everybody. That's just mercy triumphs in the end. Um, I think what we need to be considering as we think about this question is not what's the possibility, but what's our weakness? Mm. What's our tendency? 
our tendency is not to speak too much of God's mercy. Uh, it's just it's a part of who we are is to just acknowledge God as the righteous judge. God is the judge. He's going to make sure that justice is done and seen to be done. And that's where we emphasize. And so we're unlikely to speak too, too much of God's mercy. So, yes, it's a possibility, but don't try and fix other people's mistakes try and ask the question what are what are our likely mistakes where are our likely tendencies to be misbalancing this stuff and i my guess my, certainly my problem is going to be more on the end of going with judgment than mercy so if i'm spending time focusing on his mercy it's probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Perhaps I'm doing the same thing in this question again, trying to deflect towards the problem <laughs> of other people rather than with myself. Um, there are some really obvious Jesus parallels that yeah. stood out to me as you were speaking. I'm assuming you um, wanted us to, to see those. I, I, hope people, I hope people took some notice of them. I would love for you to be able to um, describe yeah. some of those and, and explain the, the significance sure. of them. Um, I think th the first one, Job as mediator, um, is so significant to the whole book. This idea that he's a he's a go between, and and it starts off with him longing for a go between so that he and God can actually have a conversation. Oh, I need to talk about this, but God's so far above and he's so perfect. There's just no way I can have a conversation. So I need someone that stands between us and actually facilitates, allows this conversation to take place. And he longs for it, and he demands man's it and he's and he's quite um pushy about yes. it and then he ends up being it and it's just a really ironic twist um that the thing that he knows is needed he ends up becoming um and who it then is used for it's actually as a mediator for these three friends who've been actively attacking him um and he performs this role as their mediator um it's clearly foreshadowing and, and anticipating a role of jesus as the mediator um who's the perfect mediator because a lie who comes along and says, oh, I'm just like you, I'm just a man, you don't need to be afraid of me. But Jesus comes along and he is the perfect man and he's both God and man. And so he's got a foot in literally both camps. Um, and so he's able to do the role of a mediator far better than anyone else because he's not one side or the other. He is actually both sides simultaneously. Uh, and so he plays this perfect role which Job anticipates. Um, so I think the mediator is something that we kind of think automatically, oh, a mediator is somebody who does something on our behalf, but there's other intricacies going on in the Old Testament that actually allow us to understand more of what Jesus does on our behalf. Uh, and so some of the stuff in Hebrews where he's interceding for us, mm. the Father's right hand, all of those kind of things become more poignant when we understand why is this so important as you approach God to deal with issues in your life. Um, a second one was that Job offers sacrifice. We saw it right back in chapter 1. We see it in chapter 42. Chapter 1, it's on behalf of his beloved ones, his kids. Uh, in chapter 42, it's on behalf of these friends. Um, and it's really weird because it's, it's an enormous sacrifice to offer seven bulls and seven rams. You just didn't do it. Um, and so in some sense, it's saying this is a really big sin. Again, the numbers... Is this are before he's... Had his wealth restored yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he does the he has to do the job of priest prior to his uh, his money coming back. Mm. So he's he's kind of he's kind of been restored with God already. Yeah. And so 
um, he's understood his right relationship with God, uh, and those things are clear. But yeah, he certainly hasn't had all of his possessions and his family restored to him at this point. Um, but that, so they they come and and God says in advance, if you go to if you go to my servant Job again, echoing language of of Moses uh, and the high priest as well, mm-hmm. um, and and so Job's performing this role on behalf of of friends, which is quite extraordinary. Um, and obviously then Jesus comes along and not only offers sacrifice on behalf of, but is the sacrifice that actually allows the restoration of the ones who are uh, disputing. Um, so there's, there's some really great stuff going on then. The other, the other one that happens, uh, and this is kind of the whole book uh, being concluded in chapter 42, Job starts off, off as the greatest man of the East. He becomes a man of no name. Mm. And then by the end of the book, he's actually got a greater name than he had at the beginning. And so it's not just a story of restoration back to where he was. It's actually a story of humility and exaltation to a higher point than you started off at. Um, And I think that's a brilliant anticipation of what happens with Jesus, that he's in glory with the Father. He's humiliated, uh, even to the point of death on a cross, but then he takes the name that is above every name and he has more glory than he had in the beginning. Um, There's something going on there that obviously... I don't even think the writer would have known what was going on there, but we see it most clearly in Jesus. So there's some, there's been some amazing biblical theology, I think, in the book of Job that we've been able to to, to dwell on, uh, and it's a, it's a great reminder that the Old Testament's not just a book about sacrifices and stuff that happened back in the olden days. It's actually helping us to understand what has been done for us. I'd forgotten the kind of overarching picture of yeah, of exaltation at mm. the end because I'd been lost in the details of just this sermon. That's a really wonderful reminder. Um, I also loved something that you said, I think, on Sunday about how Job was the mediator for the friends who didn't even know they needed one. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so yeah. much like Jesus, isn't it? He died oh, yeah. on the cross for people who didn't even want him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah such we're, a wonderful we're okay. parallel. Yeah. Because we're, 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 I think the friends actually see themselves almost as prophets. They're speaking on behalf of God, but actually what they are is people that need a mediator just to sure. be able to, to, to be interacting with God. Yeah. Mm. Um, a bit personal now. Mm. I'm wondering... Obviously, you've learned a lot in your studies of Job, but I'm wondering, from the sermon series at church, yeah. did something new stand out to you? Is there something that we can pray about as you try and apply it from Job? Hmm. Um, it, it was my first time preaching through Job, having thought about this lens of shame and honour. Um, and with it at the forefront of my mind as I was preparing and listening to talks, I was just amazed at how significant it is. Um, it's it's just the whole way through the whole of the book. Um, and I don't know how I missed it before. Um, it's like it, it's not that I didn't notice it at all, but I didn't notice how significant a, a role it played. Um, and so it's it's been really helpful for me preaching through it and seeing that there's so much uh, pastoral helpfulness yes. of noticing that theme that actually this helps me to understand not only the book but how it applies to my life. Um, so that's been really helpful. Um, as I was just saying with the biblical theology, in some sense at the start we were kind of thinking, oh, we're going to say the same thing that Jesus is better than Job um, and you'll say it seven weeks in a row. Um, but I think that it was a really um, – 
it was really delightful to see that there were different aspects of Jesus and his ministry that were highlighted week by week, and yet each week finished, not in the book of Job, but taking us to Jesus. Um, and I think that that was really, really nice. Um, and and confirmation that we kind of did the right thing with the book. If we're, if as a Christian church we're not finishing with Jesus, then we actually haven't done our job correctly. Uh, and so that was good to see. Um, for me personally, I, I would pray, uh, especially in light of the, the uh, condemnation of the three friends, um, that God would give me wisdom mm. um, because the friends thought they had wisdom. They thought they were the prophets of wisdom, uh, and yet they ended up being fools. And it's so easy to think that you're saying right things about God and you're not. Yeah. Um, and and that, that notice from God that I'm listening and I'm concerned and what you say about me either glorifies me or brings me down uh, is an incredible weight for someone who's teaching and thinking and writing about the book of Job. Um, this is not an academic exercise. Yeah. It's not just my job. This is something where God is evaluating. And it's like, oh, man, that's uh, just raised the stakes a little bit sure. <laughs> um, because I can end up being condemned uh, for saying things that I think are okay. Uh, can, can I make that call about God, Job relenting versus repenting? That's not just a, a an academic thinking through something. What what is God actually saying here? Um, yeah, and so and and so applying that all mercifully uh, to people. Um, just that idea that uh, I, I think that the attitude coming through of of mercy alongside of judgment, um, we can we can far too quickly aim for truth and think that we're doing the right thing because God's a God of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas we, we skip that aspect of, yeah, and he's merciful at the same time as he's true. Uh, how do I bring that into my interactions with others who have a different point of view on me on certain things? I had a similar um, challenge from your sermon. I was thinking about the fact that I think theology is so good because knowing about God means you can know God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it really does have a tendency, I think, to inflate my own sense of self-righteousness. It's like, oh, well, I know all this stuff. Yep. And so then obviously I must be right with yeah, God. Yeah. And it's yeah. just such a misguided idea. Yep. Yeah. I, I will pray that for you, that you will have yeah. true wisdom. Um, and I certainly need the same prayer. Because <laughs> I, I, I think that's Paul's in Corinthians. He's saying that that, that knowledge puffs up. Mm. Uh, and so if knowledge is not leading me to be more godly in my interaction with others, then actually my knowledge is incorrect. That's right. Uh, and so the proof's in the pudding. Uh, it's not actually in how much I know and how much I can state it in a particular way. It's how it leads to me interacting with those around me uh, and interacting with God. So, yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on there. There is. And isn't it such a wonderful thing to think back through all the sermons and realize that like I in the early weeks, I learned about how to talk to grieving friends. Mm. And, mm. and here we are at the end. And I'm ta- thinking about what I'm thinking again about what true wisdom is, mm. even though we thought about that a few weeks ago. It's just I feel like we've covered all this different ground and territory. Yep. Like you say, a real testament to all the different facets of Jesus character. Mm-hmm. And yet we, we got to hear about Jesus every week. Mm. Nothing better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any questions or ideas 
that you're still uncertain about that you wanted to look into further, <laughs> except for maybe relenting and repenting in six months. <laughs> You've got no choice on that one. Um, honour and shame, obviously. i got to spend another few years thinking through that and what it looks like. Um, that's, that's, I'm writing a, uh, starting to write a PhD on that topic, honour and shame in the book of Job, uh, and why it's so significant to how we read the book, but also how we think through and apply it, uh, what that means for things that we've missed, things that we've prioritised that actually Actually, not the priority of the text. Um, looking at the structure, um, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff about how things parallel. Um, the fact that the numbers parallel but change, the order that people are spoken to, uh, all of them actually seem to be actually intentionally designed and structured mm. um, to say that there's this parallel thing going on. Um, the, ho- the whole concept of irony, and I think Mark brought that up really yeah, wonderfully did, last yes. week uh, in the speeches of God, there's actually irony the whole way through the book. And I don't know if I'm seeing that because I'm an Australian and I want that to I be- I love irony, <laughs> yes. I said the same thing to Ben the other week. Yeah. Uh, and, and so am I reading it as an Australian and I'm just seeing it because that's how I would think, or is it actually there? And like, is, is God an ironic God? Yes. Uh, like what, what's going on I've there? I've been asking that question too. Um, the whole idea of the concepts that are, that are stated in the book of Job but are picked up elsewhere. So the one that I picked up on in the last sermon was the idea of the, the three daughters who are named actually paralleling five daughters of Zlofahad who are mm. also named. And there's a connection there. But what is the connection? Is Job existing prior to... Zelophehad's existence and are we supposed to make that connection those kind of things there's some stuff about Psalms that's almost quoted um, but taken in very different directions so is the writer of Job actually intentionally doing that or did it just come out in the speeches Um, and and obviously yeah Elihu's role um, how does that fit into the structure of the whole book he is really really important but he's left out at the end yeah he seems neglected come come on (laughs) just tie it up for us please so yeah so there's a whole bunch of things that I that I want to keep looking at it's amazing to think you've spent so long in this book and still have so much to get out of it a good reminder that we can't read our Bibles too much I think isn't it (laughs) yeah um I'm wondering now if there's – did you have an anticipation maybe about how the congregation was going to mm. respond to the book of Job? Were you surprised at any point or did it go exactly no. as planned or expected? We, When we started off, we normally do a series that takes the whole term. And as we started and started thinking about the book of Job and, and what to do with it, it started off as nine weeks and then it became eight weeks and then it became mm. seven weeks. Um, we actually intentionally cut it back because we recognised that for a lot of people, it's going to be a long time in the darkness and that will be really difficult um, and potentially really painful and potentially even off-putting to the point that oh, I'll just wait until we get into the New Testament sure. next term and I'll come back then. Um, and so we didn't want to – we certainly didn't want to make people depressed and sad and all of those kind of things. Um, but I think what I was surprised at is how um, how quickly people wanted to move on from the darkness. Mm. Um, it's there in the Bible, and we say theoretically that we believe that all of God's Word is God's Word. All Scripture is God's Word. Um, but I don't want to deal with this part of it um, because it's just too dark and it's too complicated and it's too frustrating. And and so I'll just go back to what I'm comfortable with. Um, and I think that that did surprise me a little bit. 
But I, I, on reflection, I also thought, oh, man, I've been studying academically the book of Job since 2002. Like I, wow. I, wrote, my, I wrote my first 8,000-word paper on Job back then, and I've been teaching it and preaching it and writing on it. It's part of my master's thesis as well. Um, it's just a book that I've just been, I don't know, diving into regularly, mm. just swimming around in it constantly for a couple of decades. And it's like, why do you want to move on from it? <laughs> uh, there's so much good stuff here. Um, but it was a good reminder for me to, to, to think, oh, man, sometimes I'm able to swim in that stuff because I know where it goes in the end, yes. whereas a lot of people are just dealing with it as it's coming at them. And it was a really helpful reminder for me to stop and think, oh, man, how do I – how do I, as someone who's spent so much time in this, go back to somebody who hasn't spent much time in it and helpfully, I don't know, it's, it's like almost teaching somebody to swim and it's like that first splashing around and you think you're going to die. Oh, no, no, you'll actually enjoy this eventually. Uh, but how do you do that with people in a book that's really complicated? Did you have any um, moments where you thought, you know, you get that real sense of this is the right book at the right mm. time. There's a reason we're doing this now. Yeah, as the, as the people in the rows behind were weeping and <laughs> um, th- there was just so, I, and Mark said a little bit of this last week, there was just so many conversations that came out of the book of Job in terms of what people are dealing with on an ongoing basis, just sustained grief, yes. um, sustained questions about, God, why are you doing this? Why did you do that? Um, and it and it just triggered like really deep conversations on so many issues for so many people, and they were just the ones that we as pastors got to hear. I'm sure there was other stuff going on in home groups and uh, just in in private conversations as well. Um, and so, in sense of was it the right book for the right time? Um, I think God did more through it than any of us anticipated. There were so many things that people were willing to go into really um, painful places um, and, and, and just reflect on it in light of God's word, um, which was just really, it was just super encouraging um, that that was taking place. Personally, um, it was a really heal- healing experience for my own brother mm. um, who just came for one sermon mm. and... And yeah, has recommitted to following Jesus after a long absence. So yeah. I can't, I cannot speak enough for how astounded <laughs> I am the way God used the book. And you know what? Yeah. He was using irony. It's my brother's love for irony. I think that meant that he was captivated by mm. listening to Mark's sermon, um, and it did. It spoke exactly to his sustained grief, um, yep. sustained suffering. Mm. Um, what a wonderful thing that God can use—a oh, yeah. a book that does feel a bit dark but for such good and such light. Yeah. And, we, and it's, it's not an easy place to, from which to present the gospel, but it actually is the gospel being presented Wonderful. by God. And so as we think about that, it's, it just puts another spin on it and says, okay, God knows what he's doing, uh, and I wouldn't choose to do it this way, but he does and it works. Wonderful. Thank you so much. A uh, really quick one to, mm. to finish with. What's coming up next for us in the sermon series and how do we prepare for that? Yeah. Um, so Rod's doing a one-off, uh, different in the morning and the evening, um, just as the finish of the series, particularly looking at what the kids have been doing in church over the term because they haven't been looking directly at the Book of Job. They've mm. been looking at other aspects 
um, of the Old Testament and how it leads to our seeing it all fulfilled in Jesus. Um, over the following three weeks, we're going to have Regino from uh, Voice of the Martyrs going to come and uh, preach following the video on the Saturday night um, as we have a movie night together as a church. Um, Matt Meek's going to speak. John O'Scouten's going to speak on Psalms. Um, and then we're going to have a couple of week series um, looking at Christian, an aspect of Christian growth which will then lead us into the the second half of the book of Acts. So um, we'd studied chapter 1 to 8 last mm-hmm. year. Uh, we're going to pick up in chapter 9 and actually do it over the, the rest of second uh, – third term and all of fourth term in the lead yeah, up to right. Christmas and actually cover the whole whole of the rest of the book of Acts. So you'd normally probably do that over three years if we did it on our normal pattern, yeah. um, but we're going to combine it and just do it over two terms to right. finish out the whole book. So reread Acts 1 to 8 maybe. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> cool. um, the the be- absolute best thing you can do is read through the whole of the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would start at chapter 1 to remind yourself how good is chapter 1 to 8 in building up the basis to what's going to happen in the rest of the book. Wonderful. I'm gonna, I'd love to end by just praying for you about mm. true wisdom. Um, and then we can say goodbye for the day. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our three pastors and the way that they have taught us so faithfully from the book of Job. Thank you for how you've used it in our church. Thank you that you have been able to speak to people about their personal sufferings and personal griefs. And thank you, Father, that it really was the gospel, Um, maybe different to how we're used to seeing it presented, but it was the gospel and it ended with Jesus. And Father, we pray specifically for Ken that um, he would not be like Job's three friends, but that he would always be seeking true wisdom, which is to fear you and to shun evil. And Father, we pray that he would know how to talk about you, um, always amplifying your mercy um, and making sure that he is not um, distracted by all the knowledge that he has, but rather focused instead um, on showing the loving heart that Jesus has to the people that he comes in contact with. Pray these things in your great name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's all from us today. Thanks again for listening and we'll see listen to you next time. Speak to you next time. Whatever. <laughs> this has been a Wollongong Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services at our website, WollongongBaptist.org.